Welcome to the 1110 Leadership Podcast, where we tackle issues at the intersection of leadership, faith, and culture. I'm your host, Rob Shields, Vice President of Strategy at 1110 Leadership, and I'm joined by my co-host, founder and CEO of 1110 Leadership, David Spicker. Proverbs 1110 lays out a bold and countercultural vision. When the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. We're here to ask, what does it look like practically to be this type of leader? Leaders willing to invest everything they have so that everyone around them can thrive. Join us on the journey as we lean in, listen, and learn how to become Proverbs 1110 kind of leaders. The kind of leaders that make our cities rejoice. David, how are we doing, my friend? We're doing well over here, Rob. Thank you. How about you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm excited to be back. Excited to continue. We started pulling on some really cool threads last episode. And I think hopefully our listeners were a little relieved to say, oh, please don't leave us. <laughs> don't leave us hanging here. Keep going. I hope that was the sentiment. Instead of please, please stop. I don't want to think about managing my emotions anymore. But we're going to continue building off that foundation. And I'm excited to do that uh, here with this episode. Yeah, this is a challenging one. And I think both of us are coming at this not as experts at all, Mm. no, which is really important, but an area where we're recognizing our need for growth. Mm. And then in particular, how this plays out in a leadership context. Yeah. I, I, I wonder maybe more so than any other episode we've ever done whether some of our listeners may have clicked on it, not just because it was well-titled, but because they were like, I don't even know what that is, right? Or I, I'm, I'm not as even, that, that term is just not one that I think about a lot. And so I'm just want to tune in because I'm curious, right? And you, mm-hmm. you, you promised me that you were going to keep talking about emotional intelligence and then you're, you know, this word lament, what are we talking about? And so I, I think we recognize, David, that there's two pieces I think that are helpful to, to name as we frame out this episode, one is that you know podcast is a very limited medium in which to have this conversation because it's so one way. But I do think that hopefully this can help tee up some conversations for our listeners who, who take this and maybe process this over a cup of coffee or give them some things to think about in their relational contexts. And I think the second one is that this is never going to be irrelevant. Sadly, right? There, there's always something in our world, in our communities, in our neighborhoods, you know, we live in a very broken world. And so there's always something broken. And how do we respond to that? How do we respond to it, period, as people? But how do we respond to it as leaders? And what is its the role of something like lament in leadership? So I'm, I'm really looking forward to this, this conversation with you because we talk about this just principle of just leaders know and identify with God's heart for justice. That sets up the inverse of how do we respond to injustice? And people can pick up their phone right now and just open up whatever their news app is, and you don't have to scroll down very far to get to injustice. It's, it's in your face. It's all, it's all the time. Some of those waves are bigger than others. So a very relevant conversation, even, even the context of the time in which we're recording this on the cusp of the Advent season, which for Christians, right, that will practice the Christian faith, this idea of this sense of waiting for the arrival of Jesus at Christmas, in the sense of light breaking into darkness. I think that the time in which we're even having this conversation is really meaningful 
and interesting. So David, tell us, just give us a, a working definition here. When we talk about this word lament, break it down. What do we mean by it for those who may have you know different levels of interaction with this term? Yeah, well, l- lament is an essential ingredient of being honest in our faith. It's the sense that something's wrong, whether it's with ourselves or with the world. And through lament, we as those who follow God, we we plant seeds of hope when we're exasperated and desperate, expecting that the Lord will eventually come through in the end. You know, it's this idea, This, if I were to say anything about lament, it's just being completely honest before God and God welcoming that, God wanting that. There are three big ideas that have helped me grow in this understanding of lament, almost like three steps in lament that I found to be helpful. The first one is just this idea of crying out to God, just deluging him with our tears and being willing to go there in our own emotions and our own sadness. We see this in Psalm 6, where David is saying, I'm weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with my weeping. That's Psalm 6-6. So that's the first thing. It's just being completely open and honest and crying and mourning the brokenness that's around us. The second aspect is asking God for help. And again, we see this in Psalm chapter 71, verse 12. Oh God, be not far from me. Oh God, oh my God, make haste to help me. So we come out of our tears with this idea that we're asking God, beseeching God to make things right. And then the third aspect is responding in trust and praise, that there's a sense of hope in the midst of this. Psalm 86, 12, I give thanks to you, O Lord, my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever. So those of us who who come from a biblical worldview, you know, we often talk about we don't mourn without hope, that there's this sense of God is going to make all things right in the end, and even in the midst of our brokenness and crying and asking for help, we know how this will all end, where everything is is as it's supposed to, as it's supposed to be. So the temporary trial and tribulation that we experience, while it seems hopeless, is truly just temporary, and we end up having hope in the end. So for me, you know, I'm not somebody who's prone to lament personally. You know, I want to be more in touch with my feelings. And as I've gotten older, that's happened, you know, as things happen in your life and we've experienced all kinds of things, you know, building a family or having joys that really spark my emotions, but then also tragedy and real sadness. Um, so. I found this three, you know, steps or principles to be really helpful for me and that I don't rush to trying to fix things in the midst of seeing things that are wrong. Mm. Yeah, this is a direct callback to our last episode on EQ and this important role of empathy. Empathy is just so deeply embedded into this concept of lament. But, you know, for me personally, like David, you talk about your own journey with this. For for my journey, I... 
I feel like my upbringing, even, even within the church context, did not really equip me well to do this well. So on my learning journey of how I've, I've tried to think about this and learn, you know, Sun Cheng Ra wrote a book called Prophetic Lament, A Call for Justice in Troubled Times. And he, he kind of unpacks lament there with kind of this idea of lament in the Bible as a liturgical response to the reality of suffering and engages God in the context of pain and trouble. And that the hope, like you talk about, the hope of lament is that God would respond to human suffering. And I think that really just, it, it encapsulates a lot of what, what we're talking about when we use this term. So I want to take it now, kind of now that we have this working definition that you've laid out for us in these three steps, they are clearly embedded in scripture a lot more than maybe we ate, maybe even realize, because you, you referenced just a couple Psalms, but I mean, a good majority of, of the Psalms. We could we could list so many. Yeah, you know, as you're mentioning that, it's almost like through lament we experience God's EQ. <laughs> mm. Well, yeah, <laughs> uh, just just Him sitting with us in pain and mourning with us, and this idea of being completely known in our mm. pain and sadness and mourning, and Him not rushing to solutions even though he offers the solution, the one solution that we mm. need, he doesn't rush to it for us. Mm. So it's an interesting idea to think about God displaying EQ as we engage with lament. Yeah, and just to prove the layers to this, I mean, thus far, we, I mean, we've spent the majority of this talking about, there, you could reach for examples on your phone of what's happening right now in our world and even in our local communities, things that don't even make the, the headlines necessarily nationally or globally. But we, we haven't even talked about the importance like we have in our, our previous episodes under the, four, the qualities of a just leader, seeing the whole playing field of knowing the role of history and being able to lament historical injustices that shape the present. So not just the injustice that's happening now, but the injustices that have happened that have made things be as broken as they are in current day. So can you talk about how important it is not just to lament what's happening today, but what happened yesterday and decades ago, even sometimes centuries ago, and the role that that plays in just leadership? Yeah, so this is certainly a multifaceted conversation. We talk about this when we talk about the fourth quality of a just leader, taking bold and courageous action, and that that action needs to be disruptive. And when we use the word disruptive, we talk about disrupting systems that have been developed over time because of historical injustices that have been baked into our experiences that create present injustices. And they come from our history. They come from historical things that have happened years, decades ago that ha were unjust and have then created the ways of doing things and outcomes that we experience today. And as just leaders, we've got to not overlook those. And again, our tendency is to rest to solutions to those things. But instead, you know, what's a step to take to really lament that, particularly as it relates to people who today are experiencing the results of those injustices more acutely than maybe some of us are. 
how do we enter into a time where we cry to God, ask for help, and respond with trust and praise? Our hearts should break for the things that break God's heart. And this is core to what it means to see the whole playing field. And as we recognize that in our own history, it then causes us to recognize our own brokenness and the ways in which we fall short. And, you know, I'm I'm really scared of being someone who's going to create injustice that people experience 50 years from now or be a part of some unjust system that, you know, my grandkids will say, well, what was, what was grand, granddad David doing back mm. in 2023? Didn't he see this? Wasn't he paying attention? Did We're going to work on your name. Granddad David, it yeah, takes yeah. too long. We're, no, we're no, going to no, keep no, workshopping yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you got we'll, time. Yeah, we, we I've got a yeah. little bit of time. A little bit of time. You know, all that to say is we have to pay attention. Yeah. And not overlook these things. Not get defensive about them, too. But enter into the the brokenness and the sadness that have have happened for years and generations that then are are realized today. Mm. You know, one of the things I love about our just leadership groups when we when we sit and we have this conversation around a table with business leaders is really helping them integrate this, which can feel like it's a pretty abstract concept how to practice lament and how to how to actually apply this to their work world so that it breaks through. And so at first I think you have to do that by identifying what are the barriers to practicing this. What are the things that are keeping a business leader with everything that's on their plate from being able to even really engage with this conversation and be able to lean in well um, on this topic, David? Yeah, well, first, we got to be really careful not to rush to solutions. And again, uh, be quick not to see, mm. but we just want to fix something that's in our DNA. Mm. And so we just see the brokenness, we're going to make it right. Which can and, be an asset in some situations yeah. and may have led to excellence in some contexts, right? Uh, a big strength in the business context of being a fixer, not in inverse happening here. Absolutely. And, you know, again, there are certain cases where action has to be quick mm. and urgent. And so, you know, as with everything we say, qualifiers, there's always yeah. nuance yes. and there's always complexity. Yes. But it's just thinking that we're in control. We can fix it, you know, or we're conditioned to always win and overcome. Mm. And we've got this. And to be honest, as Americans, we live in a triumphalistic society where it's all about winning hmm. and we always win and we overcome and we're going to be the best. Hmm. So we're conditioned whether we like it or not with those kinds of mentalities. And therefore we need to be careful not to go down that road. It's hard for us to live in the, what I would call the in between or live in the brokenness when things are not resolved. It's hard for us to sit in sadness and just not want to get out of that space. Mm. Or, you know, it's we want to avoid hard things and not push through it and deal with it well. Mm. Mourning is hard. Mourning is not maybe easy for us to do. It's not what we would think about. 
and 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 it's also you know we're just a lot of times we're just distant too distant from the injustices yeah they don't reach our radar and they certainly don't reach our emotions if we're not close enough to what's going on and so we can not be intentional about being close and get busy with all these other things and be completely unaware mm. and insensitive to the things that people are going through even the people that we've hired mm. even the people we see every day and because we're in the context of work we have no idea what they're dealing with because of even injustices that we we could even be aware of that are going on around us that that are near and dear to their heart. Mm. Yeah, I think when you point out the fact that we want to rush the solutions because we're just always in a rush, period. And sometimes I think speed is a real enemy here. Mm-hmm. Of just when you're just going and you're just and, and and you're in a culture that really glorifies busyness and like the worst thing you could say as a business leader is yeah, I've got time. When when do you want to hang out? Like I'm free. Like I'm, I'm wide open. You 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 pick, right? Versus, you know, it's it's a badge of honor to say, yeah, talk to me in seven months. That's when I have an opening, and I'll fill you in for five minutes. Like, that's that's you. You must be really important, right? It's so codified into our DNA, even in Western culture, American culture, that th- what you're describing requires a moving at a different speed. It means downshifting your vehicle in ways that I think not only are really good for you to be able to practice this for others' sake, but are really even good for your own soul. And that's something that I've, I've experienced of having life downshift me at times and then realizing, man, I'm, I'm really thankful that, that this has happened because it, it really positions me to say, that I think this was maybe the speed more in, <laughs> in tune with the speed in which we were meant to drive mm-hmm. in life. Because when I look at Jesus's ministry, even, I mean, it it just was not the speed in which I think we have been accustomed to to running here in American business context. Yeah, but Rob, that is so unrealistic. <laughs> well, that's why I'm, this is a one. It's good that it's a one way conversation, David. We we can just kind of pontificate here, and there's no there's no pushback from the audience. But you're right. I mean, I am I'm I'm pushing back, right? Like, yeah, that sounds great, Rob. But you don't know. You don't know what, what I got on my plate. With. And yeah. I can't drop these balls. There's just no way. Hmm. And that's legit. So we don't mean to be trite no. with any of this. We are around this all the time. And we struggle with it ourselves. Hmm. We just know that these are the things that God's laid out for us so that yes. we can have life. Like yes. it, we're preaching to ourselves because Absolutely. we have to remind ourselves that these are the things that there's a there's a pot of gold at the end of this rainbow mm. of this pathway that God offers to us, just like the other things that we've talked about before. Yeah, it's it's for our own flourishing, and even I would encourage if if that is the response, right, is is camping out with why why is that my response that I don't have time? Like what 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 is the driving truth that is popping into my head that might actually not be a truth. It might be a lie. You know, what what happens if, why couldn't I slow down? Which dovetails into an episode that we're going to hit later on in the series around 
this idea of, of slowing down and how do we do that as we downshift the year. So we're going to come back to that. But David, let's flip the script here. We talked about what are the barriers to practicing lament. Where have you seen this done well? Because I think that having practical examples are just helpful to kind of bring this 10,000 feet down to the ground. Well, well is is an interesting way to say it. I, I would say that just doing something... Mm. To taking a step is actually doing something well. All right, we're gonna we're gonna take that bar. We're gonna lower it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but where we where we been really encouraged? I would say when just the awful events around George Floyd took place mm. among all many mm. of the shootings and just the events that have really been troubling for so many of us. We found that helping our business leaders know what to say to their employees during a time like that was extremely important. And it wasn't something that they naturally knew that they needed to do, but it teed up for us conversations that we needed to have with them to help them see how important it is for them to speak in certain cases and say something to know that people within their companies, within their networks, were really hurting and needed to have the leader say something about the issues and the events that had taken place. And we needed to also help them do that in an authentic way. And so many of them just really did that well. Mm. They took a risk. They took a step. They articulated things that were near and dear to their hearts. They didn't try to be someone they weren't. They didn't come with all the answers. They didn't come with solutions. They just articulated their own hurt, their own brokenness in an authentic way. And they created space for people within their companies uh, to know that they're validated and that they're heard. And if there's need for space for that to happen within their context, they were open to that. Mm. So that was where we saw it happen well. And it was through just taking a step. You know, the challenge of this is when do you say something and when do you not? There's brokenness. But David... But David, if I open up Pandora's box, right? Is it every headline every day? Am I is this what I do now? Am I a news anchor? Right? Right. Um, let me play devil's advocate here. Do we post something on social media for this or that? And do I write a letter to our employees for every yes. event? Like depends. It's probably the answer to the question. Mm. Depends on your context. It depends on your employees, it depends on the severity of the event or how how deeply woven it is into uh, our culture's experience and or the your own experience and or the experience of your your team, your people. Mm. Again, it's complex and nuanced. Yes. There's not a formula. It's it's sensing when you need to do that and when you don't. Uh, necessarily need to do that. Yeah. Again, all that is you have your radar up. You're yes. attentive. You have margin. 
to be able to know what the answer to that question is. If you're head down and so oblivious to everything around you and don't realize the pain that even your own people are experiencing because of what's going on, then you'll really miss it. It's like your metaphorical car, to go back to my analogy, needs to be moving slow enough where you can see the individual trees versus it's just a blur. Yeah, this is not a bullet train. No, it's not. It it needs it's a slow moving. And you talk about that in your book, right? I mean, this is you take a sense of urgency to it, but you you downshift to meet people where they are. And to again a call back to last episode, when creating a culture of belonging means you know your people and you know your community. And you know when they're and you're going slow enough and you're you're moving in ways in which these cries are reaching your ears and then you're, you're really sensing when, when am I getting that nudge to do something maybe uncomfortable, but honest and vulnerable to, to say something because that's going to help my people feel a, a greater sense of belonging, making feel like they, I see them and that's all a part of leadership. It's, and it's definitely all part of just leadership. And it's going back to EQ and you're right. It depends is, is honestly, that is the most succinct, but also most powerful thing to say to this, because it, it is 100% accurate. It just, it's not a prescription. It's not follow X, Y, Z. I mean, by the time people even listen to this episode, we can't predict all the future scenarios that are going to be happening, right? I mean, it, you can't really even get ahead of these things. But so much of this goes back to a posture. So David, as we, as we think about the bottom line, what comes to mind for you when when you think about that in terms of lament i would say it's hard and awkward at first and that's okay this is a muscle that a lot of us haven't built so much and so as we get into it it's going to feel weird we might not know how to do it it's something we need to practice so i would just encourage those of you listening, use those three ideas at the beginning. We talked about crying out to God, asking for help, responding in trust and praise. It's sort of just a helpful framework as you think through this. You know, someone like me, you know, it feels manufactured sometimes if I'm not really feeling it. But the more that we can engage with this, the more it will become natural. And then the second thing I would just say is it all should be done under the banner of hope and that this is not our home and that we're made for another place, another place for those of us who follow Jesus and believe in what he has for us. We will live in a world that works and everything is perfect, a new heavens and a new earth, and everything is going to be as it's supposed to be. And so these afflictions, this lamenting is temporary. It does not last forever. It will not last forever. And so we can engage with it under the banner of hope and a longing for the destination that we are assured of through mm-hmm. our faith. Yeah, there's no, there's no better way to end this, this episode, right, is this idea that when we cry out for answers— we're not guaranteed to get them today or tomorrow or even in our lifetimes or in, you know this side of heaven, but that the answer is coming. 
Yes. And that there, there is an ultimate answer to all of the injustices that we, that we lament and that these, these wrongs will be righted one day. And that, that is the hope. That is the hope in Christ, which is, you know, this is the, the season that we are upon, right? Uh, and that's, that is the hope. That is the light that breaks into the darkness. Yep. Very, very, very good news. Yeah. And the justice, right? That he ushers in. That is his kingdom. So, wow. David, this is, this is good. And I'm looking forward to the episodes ahead and as, as we continue to, to build off these themes. So I uh, appreciate you leaning in with me. Thank you, Rob. All right. Thank you. To learn more about 1110 Leadership, visit our website at 1110leadership.com. That's the numerals 11, then spelled out T-E-N leadership.com. That's 11-T-E-N leadership.com. There you'll find more resources to equip you on the journey of becoming an 1110 leader. You can also get connected to our growing leadership network. If you've enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend. To help others find us, you can also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts.